The very first indication that I ever had that God might have some call of ministry for me came at an evening service here at St. Michael's about 25 years ago. Steve Smith, who'd come to set up the church plant at Christ the King, was speaking from the passage in Ephesians chapter 4 about the role of the pastor and teacher. And as I listened, my heart literally burned within me. I knew that there was something for me in what he was saying. Now, I have to say that at the time, there was no thought that it might be ordination that God was talking about. More that I knew that whatever work God had for me, it was likely to involve caring for people. Fast forward 15 years to another service, this time my ordination at Bristol Cathedral. I remember listening to these words, which are part of the priest's charge. They must set the good shepherd always before them as a pattern of their calling, caring for the people committed to their charge. Remember always with thanksgiving that the treasure now to be entrusted to you is Christ's own flock, bought through the shedding of his blood on the cross. My jaw visibly dropped as I took in the awesome privilege and awesome responsibility that was being entrusted to me. And I wonder whether something similar was going on for Peter as he walked that morning after breakfast on the beach in the story we heard from John's Gospel just now. The memory of that dreadful day when three times he denied his master and friend must still have been quite fresh for him. The emotional roller coaster that he and the other disciples had been on as they watched Jesus being crucified, discovered the empty tomb that first Easter day heard stories of the risen Lord Jesus appearing to different ones of them, and then seen him for themselves. Well, it must have left them pretty emotionally and physically exhausted. But I wonder whether Peter would have also been feeling a little unsure still. Had he blown his chances of being used by God in whatever was going to happen next? Come to that, what exactly was going to happen next? And so we come to this lovely encounter between Jesus and Peter. Three times Simon Peter had denied his friend. And three times Jesus asks the question, Simon, son of John, do you truly love me? And after each affirmation, yes, Lord, you know I love you, Jesus gives an instruction. Feed my lambs. Take care of my sheep. Feed my sheep. Peter's own priestly charge. He didn't hear these words, but had he heard them, remember always with thanksgiving the treasure now to be entrusted to you is Christ's own flock, bought with the shedding of his blood on the cross. Peter would have understood better than anyone what this meant, just how much it had cost Jesus to secure this treasure. And so he took up his place as the leader of the early church, More and more people were added to their number every day, and it wasn't long before the strain began to tell. It was simply impossible to care for everyone. And some widows were being overlooked in the distribution of food, and understandably, they weren't happy. So Peter and the Twelve came up with a plan. They chose seven godly wise men to take responsibility for the practical aspects of caring for the flock so that they could concentrate on what God had especially given them to do, the ministry of the word of God. And so the church prospered and continued to grow. 
Now, over the centuries, various models of church leadership have reflected something of this same tension. And there have certainly been times when the role of the traditional vicar has been to know everyone and to do everything. But actually, I'm not sure that this is a very biblical model. And in a church as busy and complex as ours, with its multiple congregations and expressions of ministry, it's not even remotely a workable model. Now, of course, we're really blessed here to have several clergy, and each of us have our own particular gifts and ministries. But even this is only part of the story. You see, if you go back to that passage in Ephesians 4 that I mentioned at the beginning, it talks about how Christ has appointed some to be apostles, some to be prophets, evangelists, pastors and teachers. But appointed them for what? To prepare God's people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up. And I wonder whether this is perhaps especially true when it comes to the role of the pastor. Being a church that cares can't just be about me and people like me doing all the caring, however well we might do it. It has to be an all-together, all-of-us-together thing. Me and people like me being faithful and obedient to the task that God's appointed us to, to prepare God's people, that's all of us, for works of service so that the body of Christ, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, can grow and build itself up in love as each part does its work. If we want to be a church that cares, then it's something we all need to get a vision for and get involved with. And actually, that's really exciting. There's a long history at St. Michael's of a lot of good caring that's gone on, And I want to honour those who faithfully given of themselves, often in very unseen ways, to care for the flock. I know personally how much the expressions of love and care that followed my father's death last year meant to me. The cards, flowers, cakes, meals. And I'm quite sure many of you will have similar stories to tell. But I do wonder if there are others who could tell a different story who perhaps rather like the widows in the early church, have felt overlooked or even neglected. It grieves my heart to say it, but I think there probably are. As a church, I think we can and do often demonstrate that we are a church that cares, but it can sometimes be a bit hit or miss. And the challenge for us as a church that has and hopefully will continue to grow is to to develop structures to deliver pastoral care in a way that's rather more robust and comprehensive. So, to this end, a small working group within the life of the church has been looking at pastoral care over the last year or so, thinking about what it means for us to be pastorally cared for, how and where it's working well, if there are gaps, what are they, and what could we be doing to develop our pastoral care? And out of our thinking, we've identified the following. Firstly, the challenge we face. Expectations and resources have lagged behind the current reality and complexity of the church. And then the opportunity that we have to resource the pastoral needs of a growing church and to help people reframe their expectations of how it's delivered. 
And the image that's come to us as we thought about this is the net. Jesus said, didn't he, I will make you fishers of men. And a net's used not just to catch fish, but also to hold fish. It's an image that communicates a sense of safety and community. But it's also an image that reminds us of how easy it is for people to fall through the net. So just as fishermen cast their nets, there's a sense in which we're looking to cast vision, to help us get hold of what it might look like for us to be a church that cares. That's what this sermon series is all about, and that's what we're going to be focusing on for our church weekend in June. So without presuming to have all the answers, because this is something we need to work out together, let me share with you the vision of the net Well, the first and probably the most important part of it is that people feel that they belong, matter, are connected, are noticed and welcomed, and are missed when they're not around. Wouldn't it be great if this was the felt reality for each and every member of the church? So how do we encourage the sort of culture of care that could help make this vision a possible reality? Well, one of the things that we'd love to do is help people to find points of connection within the life of the church. It's so much easier to spot what's going on in someone's life and to express appropriate care within the context of a smaller group setting rather than when we simply meet on Sundays to worship together. That's why we encourage people to be part of a life group. And that's why one of the things we're going to be introducing people to in the coming weeks are Thai groups. Thai stands for three is enough. And it's a new way of doing prayer triplets. But community exists and care can be expressed in all sorts of other aspects of church life too. The young mums at Beehive. The men at Friday Football. Volunteers as they work together in the coffee shop. Staff, as they work with the other staff, children, and bump into parents at the preschool and nursery. People, as they make and serve coffee together after Sunday services, or wash up together at Alpha, Messy Church, Sunday Lunch Club. The possibilities are endless. But when we get stuck in and do things together, we're much more likely to feel that we belong, we matter, we're connected we're noticed and welcomed, and we're missed when we're not around. Then the other thing I want to talk a little bit about are the sorts of things that we can do that will help others to feel that they belong, matter, and are connected. Little things, but things that can make such a difference. A smile across church, a touch of the arm or a wave as you pass someone, a text, an email, or Facebook message to say, how are you doing? A card that expresses appreciation or care. A phone call to say, missed you. A meal that says, I know you're under pressure. I hope this blesses you. Now, none of this is rocket science, is it? I remember early on when I was doing my ordination training, I'd preached one of my very early sermons, and to be honest, it felt very ordinary. But Becky Widows, our then vicar's wife, said something to me that really encouraged me and that stayed with me ever since. Sheep eat grass. And it's true, isn't it? 
If we're taking seriously Jesus' charge to feed his lambs, take care of his sheep, and feed his sheep, it's not that we have to provide five-star food or accommodation. Sheep eat grass. It's just doing those ordinary, everyday things that don't cost us anything very much, but which make such a difference to others. Doing them intentionally and doing them consistently. If we together could get hold of this aspect of our vision, then I believe it would make a massive difference to the life of this church. But sometimes the sort of care that people need goes way beyond that sort of everyday connection. They need more specific and focused help and support. Life has a habit of throwing tough stuff at us, doesn't it? Whether it's bereavement, illness, job insecurity financial pressures, relationship breakdown, parenting issues, caring for new babies or elderly parents, coming to terms with our own frailty and vulnerability. We're all likely to have times when we really could use some extra kindness, support and care from our church family. So the next part of our vision is that people have realistic and appropriate expectations of how pastoral care is delivered. They know the sorts of things that are available and they know how support can be accessed either for themselves or on behalf of someone else. Then too, we want to make sure that scalable structures are put in place to deliver pastoral care. It can't be down to any one person or group of people to look after everyone. We've got to make sure that pastoral care is resourced at grassroots level. Now, that doesn't mean to say that there isn't still a place for the vicar to visit, but it needs to to be just one part of a bigger strategy of care. I've already mentioned the central place of life groups, but we'll also be looking at what else we can do to strengthen those points of connection, those centres of community, that will help the mesh of the net be tighter so that people are less likely to fall through. And finally, we'll be making sure that pastoral care is appropriately resourced and regularly reviewed. We're just in the process of talking with Network Counselling, one of our local mission partners, about them putting on some bespoke training for us here at St Michael's, helping us to learn how to be there for people, how to listen better. And there'll be more about this in the coming weeks. One of the very attractive features of the early church was the quality of love the early disciples had for one another. And as we learn to love each other deeply from the heart, it's an incredibly powerful witness. It draws people in because they see the life and love of Jesus being lived out through his people. To be a church that cares is a vision that's worth believing in, investing in and committing to. In the coming weeks, we're going to be fleshing out what this might look like in practice. But today, I just want to close with a few thoughts from that first Bible reading we had in Galatians chapter 6. Caring for each other means being ready to gently challenge and restore someone when they've gone astray. To do so with compassion, knowing that it could so easily be you in their place. It means walking alongside someone going through a tough time helping to carry their burden for a while, whether that be through offering a listening ear, a supportive presence, practical help. 
but recognising that in the end, each of us must carry our own load. We have to help people learn to take responsibility for themselves, and we help them grow as they learn to depend on God, not us. Then there's the importance of understanding the spiritual law of sowing and reaping. We often reap what we sow, whether that's for good or for bad. I was talking in the week with Chris Lord, who was really poorly last week and unable to get to church on Easter Day. Thankfully, when I spoke to her midweek, she was on the mend, and I asked her if she'd had the support she needed. She said she'd been overwhelmed by expressions of love and care. And you know, I wasn't the least bit surprised, because anyone who knows Chris and George knows that this is exactly what they do for others. They're always quick to express love and care. We reap what we sow. So let's make sure that we're those who consciously and intentionally sow what's good in the way that we live. And as Paul exhorted the Christians in Galatia, let's not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we'll reap a harvest if we don't give up. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let's do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. Why don't we stand together? suggest we just take a moment um, before the Lord just to think what it is that he is saying to us today in response to what we've been hearing. Maybe that some of us will, rather like me, that Sunday evening, 25 years ago, just have had that sense of the Holy Spirit quickening your heart, just knowing that this ministry of care is something that is particularly for you. And if that is you, we'd love to pray for you. We'd love just to bless the work of the Spirit in you and through you. Maybe for some, as we've been thinking about what it feels like to belong and to feel connected, that actually it doesn't really feel that way for you. So maybe for you, the invitation is to think, what could you do to feel a little bit more connected? Maybe think about joining a life group or take up one of the many opportunities in the notice sheet to get stuck in and to serve. Or it may be that others here this morning are just going through a really hard time right now and you'd love somebody just to come alongside you to express care and to pray with you and for you that you might know the Father's love and touch today. So Holy Spirit, we do invite you to come. We invite you to come and to help us to get hold of this vision of what it means to be a church that cares. We invite you to come and do your work amongst us this morning. And Lord, over the coming weeks, we pray that you would build us up and strengthen us and help that net to be what it needs to be. That people would feel that they belong, would know your love. And as we stood, it may be that the Lord's just giving 
some of us a particular word or picture or scripture, sense of what he's specially wanting to do this morning, a message that's for you, but um, given through you for somebody else. So just in the quietness of this space, if there is anything, then do speak it out now as we move forward into worship and ministry. anything anybody just senses is from the Lord for this time. Okay, well as we move on into our time of worship, as ever there's an opportunity to receive prayer. Um, if there is that sense that you feel God's maybe calling you to come and just commit yourself to this vision, we'd love to pray for you. If you'd love somebody just to come alongside you and express love and care in this moment for what's going on in your life, again, we'd love to pray for you. And for any other need or any sense of healing that you have, then do make your way forward as we continue to worship. And members of the prayer ministry team would love to pray for you. <coughs> 